What's up, everybody? Today, I'm going to talk to you real plain, real simple, why I'm putting down the badge. All right, so in order for you to understand why I'm leaving, you got to understand why I started it. You know, I was a pastor for 14 years before I decided to step into or jump into law enforcement. And I will tell you, it was a big jump. My wife, I'll never forget the day I told her that I was going to, I wanted to be a cop. She looked at me and she smiled and she said, like she always has said, I support you in whatever it is you want to go after. I always have, I always will. But you know, you're going to have to start working out, right? And I will never forget that she was so supportive and yet so honest. And I did. And I, I worked hard. I was one of the older guys in my academy, but I got through it. And here's why. Here's why I did it. I told you earlier on, if you listen to my very first podcast, you know that I'm a person who desires purpose. I've always wanted to make a difference. I've always wanted to do something that mattered in the life of somebody else. That's really been a big deal to me. And about 2001, March of 2001, um, I was speaking. I used to speak at schools and, and speak in organizations. And I was speaking at, I wasn't a cop back then, by the way. I was speaking at a school and I was supposed to speak at this one particular school and I needed to meet with their advisor over all of their school assemblies. And so I had that morning I was supposed to be on this campus on a specific morning in March of 2001, I believe it was March 17th. Well, I decided to blow it off and I said, you know, I'm just going to go into my office where I worked at the time and I'll call her later and we'll set it up. Well, when I got to my office, my assistant said, hey, Jeremy, did you did you watch the news or did you hear the news on your way in? And I said, I had no idea. And she, she said, Santana high school just had a, a massive shooting. And it was one of the largest shootings that ever happened since Columbine. And six students were shot. Um, two were killed. A teacher was shot um, by a young man um, for whatever reason. And I immediately went towards the campus and I knew a lot of the students. Cause I, again, I was a speaker, I was a pastor. I did those things and I began to wait for students to be um, evacuated. And then they were brought to an area and I took some of those students home because their parents were working or whatever. And it was in that moment that being a speaker and a pastor, I saw the, the cops that were there defending the school, protecting the kids, getting them out, getting them to safety. And I thought to myself, that's making a difference. Those men and women are there in the moment of crisis. They're there right when someone needs them. I want to be someone who's there in the middle of crisis. I want to do that. But at the time I was getting ready to get married. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a planner, I'm strategic, and to be honest with you, I'm not the biggest risk taker in the world. And so I said, you know what? I've already got a job. I do the speaking. I, I've got the pastoring thing down. I, I've got a good gig going for me. It's great that they're doing that. I, I shouldn't do it. Well, that same school called me and they said, hey, we're getting called left and right. We um, have all these different speakers all over the country that really, really want to come share it at our school now which is so sad to me that people would capitalize on that. But they're like, we want to share a message of hope to your students. And they said, the only person we trust is you. Would you come speak at the memorial service? Would you come and, and share hope with our students? And I said, of course I'll come. And so I, I, I showed up and I had my, my talk prepared. And as I was walking in to speak to thousands of people, what I saw were once again, 
those law enforcement officers standing there guarding and protecting these families, these students, these people who were in such mourning, they were protecting them from people who didn't belong there that would just cause in to come in to cause trouble. They were protecting them from the media, not allowing the media in. It was a closed event. They weren't allowed to be there. It wasn't allowed to be broadcast. And I thought to myself, yeah, great. I'm coming to speak, but these guys are still going to be here tomorrow for these young people. I want to be a cop so bad. That's what I want to do. I want to make a difference. My life has always been focused on making a difference. That's what I've cared about. And here's, here's the truth. I, I went through all these years. I went through almost, it was another 10 years before I actually came home and had that conversation with my wife where she said, would you just do it? Would you just take the risk? You're going, you've wanted to do this for so long. Will you just do it? But please, but we want you to be safe. Will you at least start working out? And so I went through the process and I went in wide eyed at at 33 years old. I decided I'm going to be a cop. And, and I went in one of the oldest guys in my Academy made it through. It was great. And I came out into the streets. I was ready to make that difference. I wanted to be like those guys I had seen over a decade ago. And I wanted to change the world. Here's what I er learned early, early on in law enforcement. You rarely see the difference that you're making. The truth is, Most of the time when you show up to something, the people there don't want you there. Shocking, right? I should have known that. Most people aren't excited to see you walk in the door because you're going to rescue them. Most people are wondering, oh, great, is he going to talk to me? What did I do wrong? I wanted to see the impact I was making. I wanted to see the difference I was making. And the truth of the matter is, crime's not going away. Yes, I can make a difference in the one or two. And I will tell you stories as we go together on this journey of men and women who've sat in the back of my patrol car that we've, I've learned about their life. And I've, I've learned some things about my life by just listening to theirs. And I made a difference in, in some of the lives of the young people that I encountered. And I made a difference by showing up to scenes where no one else would go in and I had to go in. I've made a difference. I know that. But for me, I realized you rarely see it. And oftentimes the, the job came with greater conf- consequences than I, was, than I realized I would be paying. Also, what I learned early on is that it's not just you that feels the pain and not just you that feels the stress of the job, but this job impacted my family in a way that I was not prepared for. I'll tell you the story as we go through this journey of my son who became fearful of me because I was bringing things home from the job and I didn't realize what it was doing to me emotionally. My wife who would lose sleep and who, if I happened to call her one moment while on the job, but didn't call her back in an hour, she would panic and she would do everything she could to figure out, is he okay? Where is he at right now? What's going on? And the hours of sleep she would lose so that I could live my dream of trying to make a difference in people's life. I learned early on that the risks are often greater than the rewards. And while I don't need thanks, I personally need something that's going to let me see what's changing. Let me see the difference that's being made. And so it's important that you know that, that before we go any further on this journey, it's, it's not because I'm not quitting. There's a lot of reasons I'm not quitting. And I'm going to tell you, here's what's kept me on for so long. Let me tell you what's kept me on for so long. I'm not quitting because it was hard. I'm not quitting because it was difficult. I gave almost a decade of my life to this because I actually am very passionate about what law enforcement officers do. 
What's kept me on for so long in my career is number one, as I was getting discouraged, I was fortunate to have an amazing supervisor, a great sergeant who I was working for. And she saw the difference that was going on in me. She saw the change, the negative change that was happening in me and the way I was carrying myself, the way that I just, the way I was talking. And she said, Jeremy, I want to introduce you to something. We have an opening on the crisis negotiation team. I think you would be really good for it. Are you open to putting in for that spot? I had no idea what it was, but I said, what do, what do you do? How, how could I do it? What, what does that mean? Crisis negotiation. What, what do I like? Would I be like Denzel Washington? Cause I'm all about Denzel. Would I be like that dude? Cause I will do it. And she laughed at me and she said, well, it's not that glamorous, but it's one of the greatest decisions I made in my career. And I've been on in the hostage negotiation team. She had been on it for 20 plus years. And I said, okay, I, I want to do that. And so I went through the process of becoming a negotiator. It's challenging. It has extreme highs. When, when, you, when you win, when, you, when everybody goes home safe, it's one of the most amazing moments. And it has extreme lows because we're not always perfect in, in negotiating that person off the bridge or convincing that man or woman to put down the gun and come out of the house. It's super fulfilling because you see the difference you're making. You see it. You see what happens in the family when, when their loved one comes back to them. It matters. So it's kept me on the job for so long is that I found something within the job that fulfilled my personal needs and allowed me to make a real difference. And that's what crisis and hostage negotiations has been about. It also taught me some amazing skills about how to connect with people, how to build rapport, how to gain authentic influence in a person's life. I learned so much and I'm a big learner. I love to learn. I love to read. I love to study. I love to discover things. And the constant changes and challenges for a negotiator are so appealing to me because you're constantly growing. You're constantly learning. And that's, what's kept me in this job. And from that point on with those tools that helped me survive the job, because I did have to get some tools to help me survive the job, like counseling, therapy, all the things I did all those things, but also having this, an amazing gift of being a crisis negotiator, I became okay with the job. Let me give you two reasons that I'm not leaving this job. I'm not setting down the badge because I believe that law enforcement is the problem in our country. There is a problem of all kinds of racism and bias in our country. 100%. I believe that these past few weeks have proven it again as we've watched what's unfolded. I'll never know if George Floyd was killed because of racism or because this dude was a really bad cop and his name doesn't even need to be spoken. I won't know because I don't know his heart. I don't know why he committed the crime he committed and killed Mr. Floyd. What I do know is that he chose to do what he did and he deserves, in my opinion, to be punished for it. That's what I do know. I believe there's a lot of great officers out there and I believe there's also bad officers. I've worked with both. And I'm actually really fortunate because in my department that I work for, they don't tolerate the bad. They aggressively go after the bad. And they remove them from areas that they would cause liability, that they would cause pain, that they would do things wrong, and they get rid of them. But I'm not leaving because I see a systemic problem in law enforcement. I see racism as a massive national problem. And, and the point of the conflict right now is law enforcement. But if we only focus on law enforcement, we will not fix the problem. So I'm not leaving because I don't believe in what law enforcement does.
Matter of fact, I believe there's cops like me that do way more good than do bad for the people in the communities they serve. And I am actually concerned that if we make their job so difficult, they won't be able to protect us the way they're supposed to. And we'll have even greater problems. Second reason I'm not leaving is because I'm not leaving because I don't want to serve the very people who threw bricks at me. Yep, you heard me right. They threw bricks at me. We'll talk about it more. But in a recent riot in my town, I was sent to hold the line, protect the people of the community, protect the buildings and the businesses of that town. And I took more than one brick to my helmet during that riot. I watched two really large buildings burn down. I watched several mom and pop type stores be looted and windows broken. I listened and I heard the names that I was called, the names my partners were called. That's not why I'm leaving this job. As a cop, there's always going to be people and there have been people that have hated what I do. There are people that were before this current situation even happened that wanted to hurt me. I've been hurt by them. Physically, I've been hurt by them. I have been called names by them. They're the same people that I've had to use force on because yes, that is part of the job. Cops use force. We have to. And they're the same people that I've used force on so that I could affect the arrest. But then immediately I would render aid to and I would speak kindly to because it's just part of the job and it's not personal. So I'm not leaving because I can't take a brick to my head. I've taken all kinds of things, punches thrown at my face, words screamed at me. That's part of the job. So that's not, that would be foolish for me to leave now because all of a sudden I don't like people not liking me. That's part of the job. Here's the reasons I am turning in my badge. I'm turning my badge because I desire a greater control of my destiny. You notice that I said greater and not total because I don't know any of these people that I'll hear some of these, these motivational speakers like you need to take total control or, or these people teach business like you need to take, you can't control everything. No matter what anyone tells you, you can't control everything. So I don't believe that you're ever in total control of your life. That's why I have faith that I have. But I do believe we can strive for more freedom and that we can strive for more control. Law enforcement does not provide that, that freedom. It does not give you the freedom to pursue what you personally want or what you need. My hours are set until they're changed by my supervisor. My vacations are limited and they can be canceled at any time. Matter of fact, just recently during all this, we were mandatory 12 hours on, 12 hours off, no time off and vacations canceled. Even the assignment I have can be completely changed. During COVID, that's what's happened to me. I was changed. My duties were changed. My role was taken. Everything was changed because that's the needs of the department. Some of you probably can actually relate to that because whatever your job is, the truth is you're not in control. You don't have control over your hours. You don't have control over your position, your assignment. Things change all the time. My dad was just a businessman and I watched as they would move him around and they would say, oh, now we need you to do this. Oh, you're going to oversee this now. Oh, by the way, yep, I know it's going to be long hours, but we just need you to take care of this. The truth of the matter is no job comes with the security of you being in control. I may, as a law enforcement officer, have security in the fact that I'll have a job, kind of, but even that can be taken away from me when I get injured and suddenly I can't work anymore. So, so the truth is, there's no security in it. There's no security in anything we do, but I desire to have more control over what I do and when I do it and where I do it. And I believe that these things are true of traditional jobs. I believe you probably can relate to that. I've just decided I'm done with it for me. Number two reason I'm leading is I want to make a greater impact. 
I will always do things to serve others. I believe it's our greatest calling. We are all meant to live a life that fulfills a purpose that actually makes other lives better. I 100% believe that. I, what we're, whether you're making cogs, if you're not making them to make something better for someone else, then what's the point? I believe we should serve a greater good. All of us should. And I want to make a difference. I want to make a greater impact. But I've also learned that there's other ways to make a significant impact on the lives of the people in our community and across the world. I don't have to risk it all every single day to make a difference in another person's life. My wife doesn't need to worry if I'll come home. My kids don't need to worry if dad's going to have a bad day. The thrill of the job is not more important than my desire to make an impact. And the third reason, here's a third reason. The costs no longer outweigh the rewards. I'll say that again. The costs no longer outweigh the rewards. The streets are way more dangerous today than they were when I began. Crime rates have gone down in my area, and yet it's more dangerous. I have already watched partners, and even I have hesitated to respond in dangerous situations due to the fact that there's this thing called trial by media, or the fear that my department or their department will fire them or put them on the desk, even when their actions were within policy, kept them alive, and were justified. Making a difference matters to me, but coming home safe to my family is what matters to me more. The cost of ensuring that goal has come has just become way greater than I'm willing to pay. So my fourth reason is I'm quitting because I can. I have options thanks to this amazing gift called network marketing. Because I've used the skills that I learned on the job, which I love that. I've learned the skills, used the skills that I've learned on the job that's now allowed me to change my mind. Isn't that so cool? I love it. I get to change my mind because the very job that I'm leaving gave me the skills to build something really awesome over here that provides me the things I want, make a difference, freedom and choice. I have friends that are on the same path with me and as law enforcement officers, and we've talked about this because I've been pretty open that my time is, my time is short. And they've said to me multiple times, man, I just wish I had the options. And I've said back to them, you could, why don't you join me? but they're scared. And I get that. And we'll talk about that as we go on. I have options. Network marketing has provided me more margin, more options. If I wanted to open a brick and mortar right now so I could leave this job, do you know what kind of money I would have to spend? I'd have to find the right business plan. I'd have to, I'd have to show the bank a, a certain, like what my plan was going to be so that I could get the loan that I needed. I'd have to go find the right location. I'd have to get the lease. I'd have to have the right product. All these things that I would have to do if I wanted to open a franchise, man, I would need even more. Do you know how I know? Because I've looked into all of those things. I've looked into all of them. Or I could just go get another job. And guess what? I'm limited by the very same things. I'm limited by the very same things if I go work for someone else yet again. So I'm grateful for the minimal investment that I had to make in order for this door to open so that at this moment in my life, I have the option to step away from something that is no longer fulfilling the need that I have or helping me get closer to fulfilling my purpose. That's what the biggest reason I'm leaving is because I can, and I'm ready to. I heard a quote once from a guy that I work with that I really like, and, and he said, margin, and he was talking about finances, he said, margin provides options. And here's what I want to say to you for me, and I believe it's true for you if you're willing to take some risks, and if you're willing to really dive in and really learn, network marketing provides margin. So margin provides options and network marketing provides margin. I never thought I'd see the day that I wanted to leave my job. It was never my goal. And I'm so grateful for the margin in my life that gave me the options that I have today.
And here's what I want you to hear from me. I believe the greater good for me today is that I can help you build that exact same margin. I believe the best vehicle for the average person like you and me. I'm nothing special. And I tell the people that I work with in my network all the time, you can do what we have done. I didn't have all the influence. I'm not a big media influencer. Go look, go look at my Facebook page. Go look at my Instagram. You'll see I'm not a man of massive influence, but I took the skills that I learned and I applied them to helping others through this gift of network marketing. And I believe that you just need the skills to choose wisely which product you're going to represent. You need to see that you need the secrets to see success in your business, which I want to give you. And you need the right process to help other people do the same. That's it. You need the product. You need the secrets to make it actually successful. And you need a system to allow you to duplicate what you're doing. My next episode, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to commit to. The next time we talk, I'm going to give you my three-step framework for making sure you're choosing the right network. Because that's where it starts. You choose the wrong network and you are in trouble. I have watched it happen time and time again from my friends who said, oh, I'm going to do this. And they go do their thing. And then they're like, oh man, this is bad. So I'm going to give you a framework, a really simple framework that I believe will help you to choose the right network because that's where it starts. And my whole goal in this new path that I'm on is number one, I'm going to keep building my business. And number two, I want to help you build yours because that's the kind of impact I can make. And I can actually see it happen as I work with you to help you do it. So next time, don't miss it next time. I'll give you that three-step framework. All right. Have an awesome day. I really hope you'll live your dream because I'm getting to live mine.